Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, Moscow here. I just need a quick word with you before the actual podcast itself starts because it's been so long since we last recorded one. Again, we're really sorry about that. Um, There was a lot to talk about, including about three months of football matches. So we've divided this new episode up into two parts. Uh, This is part one, and it deals with those last three months of football matches. Part two will follow incredibly quickly, probably even tomorrow. Um, And that has a conversation about the season so far, um, January transfers so far, and uh, Aspire Academy and a preview of... Um, the upcoming games and if you're uh, wondering whether there's any link between the recording of this podcast and Luke Ayling's uh, season-ending injury being announced the day after you are absolutely 100% right that we have cursed our right back Um, and if you're also wondering what the slight problems with the sound are on this the curse uh, turned itself inward and affected us a little bit Um, Rob and Andy came out on the recording sounding super quiet, so they have been boosted. But worse than that is there's a slight glitching noise. You'll hear some scratches and pops um, all the way through this. Um, Hopefully it's not too annoying, but it's definitely noticeable. So when you notice it, um, we know. And we're sorry, we'll sort this stuff out for the next episode. But for now, um, good to be back. Here is uh, the Square Ball Podcast number 102, Part one. Hello. Welcome to the square... Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast. I a little something in my throat that I, I had to clear there. This is number 102. As ever, it has been a long time since podcast number 101. We have no explanation for that. However, if anybody would like to put in a January transfer window bid for some children... Um, that I would be happy to broker uh, the the move away from um, our poddies of those kids to make all our lives easier. A little bit like getting Cameron Borthwick-Jackson out the door, not putting the effort in, just becoming a drag on things, given every chance. My kids are far more irritating than him. (laughs) Well, that's saying something. So if anybody wants some irritating twins, in, uh, in Michael's case... Are your children twins, Andy? They're, they're not twins, though, but, but they are irritating, but they are better than Portland Jackson at football, I'm sure both of them. So. Well, let Reading know, because uh, apparently Reading FC, with their soon-to-be-not-manager, Yapstam, are interested in Cameron Borthwick-Jackson. Snap his hand off. 
um, as probably uh, David Weatherall should have done to him years ago. With me, talking about their kids, are Michael Normanson. Hello. Rob Conlon. I don't have any kids. I've got a housemaid I welcome to, if they like. All, all bids considered, um, and Andy P. Hello. And I'm Moscow White. I don't know if I said what I was trying to clear clear the phlegm. Since we last spoke, we've done, um, I think, two issues of the square ball. That's how long it's been. Um, and have another one coming up for uh, the Millwall game. You can still get issue five, which is very festive. So if you're missing Christmas, not feeling 2018 yet, it has the beautiful cover of uh, Tony Boas scoring against the scum. Um, interview with James Brown inside and articles on uh, losing at Histon. And uh, Victor Orta, two very popular subjects with uh, Leeds United fans at the moment. And we also have, you can, as ever, get a digital subscription from the squareball.net. But you can also, for the first time probably in Squareball history, buy a half-season subscription to the paper magazine. Uh, six issues for £18. So if you missed out on uh, the first couple of issues but then bought one and thought, this isn't as bad as everybody keeps saying it is, um, and now want to get, one, get them just sent to your home... Uh, go on the website and um, you can get a half season sub, starting with that issue five. When we were last here, everything was great because we had just beaten Bristol City 3-0 away, um, setting up the uh, the rest of the season for improved performances um, along the way. Didn't quite turn out like that. I think things, to sum up the last three months, got a bit worse, got a bit better. And it's kind of somewhere in the middle at the moment until... Um, we are recording this two days after the FA Cup third round weekend, which I don't know if there's a if there's even an altitude meter that can measure the depth um, that that went to. Um, it started. We'll we'll flick through the last few uh, months and pick out the highlights. I don't know if losing to Leicester in the Carabao Cup is a particular highlight for anybody. Concentrate on the league. Concentrate on Pablo Hernandez's goal. Yeah. And the league. And the league. Well, the league um, that we were concentrating on, that we were hoping the Bristol match would be um, the herald of a improvement for, we went straight out onto the pitch against Sheffield United on a Friday night at Elland Road, and within two minutes... I was watching this game in a pub in Sheffield, and it was one of the worst experiences of my life, I think. It was just... I, um, I wasn't going to tell anyone that I was a Leeds fan, but my mate kindly pointed out that fact. What are mates for? Exactly. And then... After two minutes, I was laughing at how pathetic that goal was to concede. And then I just had a load of cameras in my face filming me sort of <laughs> laugh along to me. Paparazzi. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which then, I was going to hide the fact I was a Leeds fan, as I say, but then that meant when Phillips equalised, I couldn't help but just go, get the fucking Leeds. At which point, people started throwing things and I left the pub out. Really? <laughs> Were you more worried about the impending violence or the prospect of going viral on YouTube? I was more worried about the second 45 minutes, to be honest. I just left. Well, the second 45 minutes wasn't great. We were doing all right, but then if you, it just faded. Um, and that was very much the theme of the next game, where we went, we did the reverse. We went 1-0 up. La Soga, the, uh, the vital striker, scoring another crucial strike in his prolific early form. Um, but then, yeah... With 20 minutes to go, win or sword, and then we bring Heidi Sacco on to um, to shore things up at the back. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, did you give, this is the penalty that wasn't a penalty as well, wasn't it? It was clear. It was very clearly outside the box. And a good total. It was a, obviously it was a clearly a foul, but it was one of those that. Well, I was going to say you don't do inside the box, but it's Sacco, so he probably would. But 
other players wouldn't make that sort of a risky tackle like that maybe in the box but knowing you're outside the box you might think well mm. doesn't matter so much mm-hmm. but the rest the margins these two games say he hits the post in the Sheffield United game when it's one mm-hmm. ball um, it's tailor made for the I can't remember the 13 year old that came on for Sheffield United and oh Daly. Brooks and that, and that was obviously very annoying and the Derby game was the same you had two very poor penalty decisions I think if we get a second in that game then we see it out reasonably comfortably but they they psychologically I think they're just wilted in the last 15-20 mm. minutes and Derby to be fair to them have gone and, and capitalised I think on that result because they weren't in great nick no. when they came to Leeds and they didn't look any good really no. that day they were not on a good side like Sheffield United I thought actually did deserve to beat us they, were, they had the they had the majority of that game whereas this, this game if you'd watched the first hour of it you'd think we were yeah. Not playing well, but in control. Mm. And since Sheffield United beat us, they've done nothing but drop like a stone. Yes. Um, and it's, I think this game, well, these few games up until the end of the derby match, there was a lot of, you could feel uh, sympathy for Thomas Christensen's plight because he was saying the same thing. We're, we're playing well, we're doing what we're asking of them. We're just hitting the post every single time. Um, Brentford 3, Leeds United 1 did kind of um, remove some of the sympathy it was possible to have for him um, although what he can do about Andy Lonergan I'm open to suggestions what can he do about Andy Lonergan the thing is we should have been about three down in the first 20 minutes of this game they were absolutely battering us and we were making loads of last ditch challenges and stuff which I know it's, you are allowed to make a last ditch challenge it is part of the game but we were on the ropes from the off in this um, so I don't think I don't think you can really come complain about 3-1 even though if one of them was a gift our goal was a gift as well yeah, it's worth remembering Dreadful goalkeeping errors, weren't they? Yeah. And then, but they were by far the better. Team. You, you cannot argue mm. with this scoreline. It could possibly have been a lot worse as well. So I think we just you take that on the chin and move on. They're a decent sign, Brentford. We don't do well at Brentford. No. No. I think one positive which came out of this though as well, the, the, probably the only one, is that Roof came on and played up front, and his movement was actually really good. Mm. Mm. And it seems to be the end of well, not the end, but the changing tactic of the song is not really working. Grot's not really working, although he brought him on and that was killed down the memory, which sort of highlighted it as well. Yeah, the Grot coming on thing in this game, I think it might be the last time we chased a win in this manner because I think we got carried away because there was a lot of crosses going in because we got the upper hand and he brought on Grot thinking, he's tall, we'll put him in the middle, he'll head some of these crosses in. I don't think we put in another cross or match and then for some reason the defence turned to an absolute shambles, um, which we stopped doing and... Uh, after I think I'm trying to remember what the stats were. We lost eight out of nine or seven something out of eight. Like something. Mm-hmm. The Bristol game was the blip. Yeah, the one win. Um, and Thomas Christensen, to be fair to him at this point, was saying things like, um, "I know I've got the backing of uh, sorry. <clears throat> I know I have the backing of the uh, uh, Andrea and Victor and Ivan, uh, but if you lose eight games in consecutive." There's, they have to do something and he said that something around the fourth or fifth game that we'd lost in a row and then um, it ticked on and he just about scraped by that statistic but did you ever did anybody around this table ever get onto the Christensen should go train? Not particularly but it's a results business you wouldn't have been surprised if he'd gone mm-hmm. so I think it's testament to the regime that they they stuck to their guns so responsibly, but equally it's very tough when you're in a trough of results. Like it's bad enough now with the last few results that 
we've had with Sharp on Sunday particularly disappointing that if you it, it, it felt like we were where was the next win going to come from because you looked at the run the Middlesbrough game that was next and Middlesbrough were a bit up and down but I mean I don't think anybody waved their flag around uh, at Ellen Road before kick off and thought that you know we would probably have the chance to get three points as Christensen was there maybe that's what made the difference maybe those people waving the flags did believe the power of positive thinking. Remember when David Icke, not David Icke, Yuri Geller, Yuri Geller bought in at Exeter. Maybe similar thing had a positive. If we can get the ghost of Michael Jackson back for the in the January transfer window, um, everything might be good because we did start winning again, little international break, and then um, maybe it was Yuri Geller who attracted all those flags onto the pitch at the end. It wasn't people throwing them. There was some kind of plastic magnetic force that made them hit the linesman. I don't know, I'm just speculating. I wonder if we'd be allowed to take spins into Elland Road and all concentrate on bending them at the same time. Mm. Um, or maybe the crucial thing in this victory was uh, to give him his full name, Fuck Gary Monk, uh, who nobody expected to come and give us a really easy win, but um, uh, Thomas Christensen was able afterwards to be quite smugly. Well, I think if you looked at the goals, you see I worked out how to do this. Uh, it was Alioski to Hernandez for the first and Hernandez to Alioski for the second. 2-0 win. 2-1 win even, because they got an absolute joke penalty. Mm-hmm. Another one. I'd forgotten about that until I read it on the sheet about that penalty. And just what an absolute disgraceful decision it was. And it made me quite angry reading about it. About it. We're in the midst of this run of bizarre refereeing decisions. Where for, for once you were beginning to think that the people who really amplify this, the Football League is corrupt and is determined to not have us promoted. You look at that Middlesbrough penalty decision, you think actually, you know, these these people might be right. It was quite bizarre. I watched it back today, the the slow motion replay. Just watching what Ayala does, you're looking at it thinking, at what point, like while he is gouging Ailing's eyes out on his way to throwing him to the floor, is the referee going to blow for a penalty? Mm. Oh, he's going to blow for it when Ailing grabs his ankle. Was it the linesman that gave it? It, Apparently, it was the linesman. Just watching, going, that's fine. That's fine, it's still fine, still fine. So, oh, he touched his ankle. Um, and did we enjoy Flag Day? Did you wave them in this? I'm in the northeast corner, so we weren't given them. But Did you not get them in there? No. Oh, dear. Second-class citizens. I didn't see the um, the together bit, because I was dropping mags back at the car, so I was getting five minutes uh, into the game. But I did take. I didn't wave my flag, but I did, take, I did take them home for the kids, and they do seem to like them, even though they have no real concept of what football is. They're like, you know, running around with them. They really have got a lot in common with Cameron Borthwick Jackson, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> but, you know, it's the start. I suppose it's for some, it's the start of a decent bit of indoctrination. I maybe. suppose coming on from it, it did then lead to the, the flag. Not the flag, it was the flag. The scarf day. The two scarf days, which mm. seem to be much more um, leads ish. If we're going to do any kind of choreographed uh, display, it may as well maybe be scarves. Yeah. Did you buy a, a special bar scarf? Did you bring a bar no. scarf out? No? no. You know, are you a fan of scarves? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I, this, you, know, you can have the idea. It's uh, it's great. And uh, uh, the first game, was it the whole game was the first time they did it. It actually did look very, because I'm obviously, you know, in the northeast corner as well. So you've got this kind of panoramic view most of the game. And it did look particularly impressive. And it's clearly a good way to sell an overstock of scarves. And raise money for the foundation. And, and raise money for the foundation, of course, clearly. But. Um, uh, I think, uh, isn't it? I've been told Rodgers is trying to get an atmosphere like Juventus. That, that's that's what he's looking for. Um, I'm not quite sure the plastic flags and the 
the scams are going to do that. But throw yeah. throw a scooter on onto the away yeah. fans and stuff. That's the sort of yeah. shit that happens in Italian football. Indeed, to bring out some, yeah, get some cappuccinos and someone with a megaphone and an enormous <laughs> uh, enormous flag at the front of the cop, and maybe we'll get close. Did we see the Borough fan um, who was? Everywhere. The video, yes, yes. That was, and that I, I think is a, you know, a profound reason for why fun TV can always goes one of two ways, and there is there's, there's never any kind of fine margins, and it. it's either it's always absolutely hilarious because it's meant to be, or it's absolutely hilarious because it's not meant to be, and that was because it's not meant to be. My absolute favourite moment of this guy ranting on uh, um, Borough Fan TV um, was when he. Uh, he told Leeds United that we need to truthfully stop living in your history. And then in his next breath said, this right here is not a special stadium. You go to Ayrson Park. Ayrson Park literally craps all over us, mate. And I have, this doesn't work in a podcast because it's a visual joke, but I've put in a photograph of Ayrson Park today, which is a housing estate um, that apparently is better than our special stadium where we should stop living in our history. And anybody who went to Ayrson Park, We'll relatively walk down past the cemetery on the way to get back to your uh, coaches and the uh, the away. And I think I went when we lost four one, and you were you were basically it's like pen the old pen five era of the Lowfields where you were stuck in an uncovered area with a load of absolute mentalists to your left and to your right. So I mean, atmospheric in a way, but only atmospheric in the feeling of sudden and impending violence breaking out at any time. As a stadium, was it? Better than the current one because I hate the Riverside. Well, define better. Which would you rather go to? It's as simple as that. To watch I, a game. I, I loathe new stadium too, but Ayrson Park really was it, it terrifying. Oakwell, if you're thinking of a stadium, it's it's probably Oakwell's the closest example that's, that's got some kind of parity yeah. to it. I see. I quite like Oakwell. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> and and, and, and it's parity because Oakwell's been primarily condemned as well, hasn't it? So. Should we take this opportunity to uh, to pour one out for the memory of Gary Monk's employment? When, when you say pour one out, a little bit of whiskey on the floor in uh, um, right. in memoriam. Um, well, it's it's funny really because when he, when he left, I thought, well, this is, there's got to be some kind of. You listen to his his reasons why, and you thought, well, yeah, I think that that seems reasonably well balanced. But now you're seeing what's happened to him at, at Millsborough, ostensibly being fired for having. Discussions with Swansea, as allegedly was having discussions with Middlesbrough long before his ring walk. Is that confirmed? The Swansea thing. Uh, well, that's that's been the conjecture that did come out from people up there who were. Uh, it was certainly associated with the club. I have seen one strong denial of it from um, Henry Winter. Mm. So. Swansea I did that I want to throw in for legal reasons and anything else. I'm sure well, Gary Monk I'm, I'm has lawyers. Saying it's true. I mean, Swansea it's clearly true. were in the market for a failed Championship manager. Yes. So, yes. But did, did it give us any pleasure? Their whole plight gives me pleasure. Just them dropping down and just the general spunness of them getting Gary mm-hmm. Monk, spending loads of money, mm-hmm. and now they've ended up with Tony Pulis. I was kind of hoping they'd reemploy Steve McLaren. Mm. Yeah. Just for because that's what. Steve McLaren yes he just goes back over and over again he'll be England manager again at some point Um, speaking of uh, teams that spend a lot of money Wolves they're good aren't they good good team Wolves Mm. a friend of mine who's a Wolves fan his dad went to this game and said that first half is possibly the best Wolves have ever played which I don't know if that reflects on us even the Stan Cullis era (laughs) the 1950s when they were beating Honved I mean I'm not sure how old his dad is (laughs) 
yeah, that sort of shows that we were coming up against that night. And you, I, I, I watched this on a dodgy stream, and we were absolutely destroyed in that first half. Mm-hmm. We barely, mm-hmm. we just didn't really touch it. We couldn't, we didn't have it for more than about mm-hmm. ten seconds at any mm-hmm. point. And then we had twenty minutes, didn't we, at the start of the second half? Yeah, scored a cracker. Alioski and Saez <clears throat> teaming up. Alioski had a decent little patch of form at this at this he point, did. didn't he? Lots yeah, of assists, lots of goals. Gone now. <laughs> Uh, much as Wolves are gone, I mean, we lost to them 4-1, and I've got the table here. They're currently, what, 61 minus 49? 12. 12 points clear of Derby in second place, with a goal difference of plus 30, which is more 12 more than uh, Derby's. Um, that is kind of, is La Liga levels of ridiculousness, mm. um, only, unfortunately. It's all down to Man City spending money on full-backs, if you ask me. All right, Jose. Um, so Wolves, we just have to move on from much more comfortable going to Oakwell. Uh, Felix Vivald wasn't particularly comfortable because he went there but at and had to get um, a cap out of the crowd, which I did enjoy because the chap who, uh, who did it to him, I think he's called TJ, his name is on Twitter, when he popped up, he was very uh, adamant that he didn't really like Felix Vivald, didn't really rate him much. And so it did... Like reading between the lines, I think that gesture of um, of helping Leeds United goalkeeper out, which was very good and noble and great, also had that air of "fuck's sake, Felix, yeah. do I have to do everything for you? Yeah. I have a fucking cap." For Put this on your useless twat. Exactly. <laughs> it had a fair air of that about it. it? Um, but it all turned out. It all turned out very nicely with the exchange of shirts and the. Uh, um, and Felix Viedval keeping a clean sheet while uh, Saez um, ran the show um, in front of him. This was a good one. This had everything. Saez and Alioski being brilliant, fighting with their bench. A very. It didn't feel like a Leeds Barnsley game, did it? Not generally they at Oakwell, they're, they're a real scrappy sort of battle, and even when we've got results there, they've not. We've not been comfortable. Whereas with this, we just strolled it. Really, it was. Do you know what it was? Odd. Do you know what the weirdest thing about it was? Sun was shining. Maybe that was. We were good. talking about Wolves playing Leeds with the best football they've ever played. I think that's probably like the brightest sunlight that has ever been in Barnsley was the first half. Just doesn't happen. They were confused, dazzled by not just Saez's dancing feet, and he scored with his left foot in this one, but, but by this burning globe in the sky. There was a moment in the second half. It did feel like if we really had to, we could just score at any moment in the second half, and we just kept giving it to Saez. And there was a moment where he beat about four players, one a corner. All the way and singing his name, and he was just grinning from ear to ear, and it was just so nice to see. He just loved it. <clears throat> He's a lovely little guy. I mean, I, I don't imagine anybody could have a bad word to say against him, or he would ever give us any reason to have a bad word exactly. said against him. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So after beating Barnsley, uh, Aston Villa at home, game of two halves. Yeah, I mean they Ekiban again. Ekiban done really well at, at Barnsley, so we should we should point that out mm-hmm. that he was he was occupying them, so they weren't able to, to occupying. He was occupying them. He was occupying them, and he occupied Aston Villa for for about an hour as well before he got tired. Um, and then Villa threw on Lansbury. And I think the, the key for this for me was was how poor Snodgrass was mm-hmm. as, a, as a as a player. I kind of had a late man crush on for, for a number of years. He's, he's absolutely a shadow of the sort of 2009 snodgrass that we had. I certainly think we got the best of him. He has apparently since played at least one, maybe two, absolutely blinding games for them. So I'm wondering whether there was an element of the Beckfords about yeah, this, because I was surprised by how bad he was. I didn't even notice he was playing until yeah. until he was right in front of the cop at one stage and I, sort of, I actually saw the back of his shirt and it was the first time I thought, oh... There, you, there he is. That's that you, guy who used to play for us. Could you smell the Jägermeister on his breath? <laughs> well, he, he came that close. Um, yeah, and then, then bringing on uh, Lansbury and the other one uh, reminded me that the uh, the Leicester game, they, th- there was a beautiful moment when they brought on Varney and Mares and we brought on Heidi Sacco. That was kind of a... that was I think it was 1-1 at that mm-hmm. point as well. Um, so it does, uh, it does say something about the, the, the levels where we're, um, we're meandering, meandering around. Way too good for Queen's Park Rangers, though. Once we got um, Ekuban off the pitch, at least, and brought on uh, Havel Chubitsky, the unheralded... Nobody expected him to be good. He doesn't, he doesn't look like a footballer, does he? No. He looks, looks really awkward. Yeah. Looks like a little witch, like a ghost of a witch. There was a nice moment on the, um, the Christmas videos that the club did where the... Ronaldo Vieira had obviously been tricked into saying that he'd buy him a toothbrush, and he didn't seem to know why he was saying it. I don't, I don't think it was acted because I don't think he'd be able to. No, it was genuine, and I love Luke Ayling had obviously sort of egged him on to say. No, it was somebody on the camera egged him on because then Luke, Luke Ayling just turned to him and went, "Mate, that's well out of order." <laughs> and um, Vieira's uh, way of coping up was like, uh, "I meant a car. I'll buy him a car for the secret Santa gifts." Um, it was. The, it was. A, did you see this? You two? Chris, no, I've not, I've not seen. It was a video where they were, they were basically drawing names out, and they were asking certain players in the squad what they'd buy for the name that has been drawn out. And uh, he was drawn. Chaviki was drawn out for Vieira, and he didn't, he didn't. Someone had obviously instructed him to say a toothbrush. Bless him. Those videos were actually more entertaining than they had any right to be because they're a little bit less professional than you might expect from like a proper football club. The favourite one. 
they did a game of win, lose or draw with Pablo Hernandez uh, drawing, or Pictionary, whichever you prefer, drawing Christmas things for Matthias Click and Gitano Berardi to guess what he's drawing. And obviously you've got a, a Pole, a Spaniard and a Swiss-Italian. None of them speak particularly good English. Click's kind of all right. So Hernandez is looking at the cards of what he's got to draw going like, I don't, I don't think I know what this is, and then drawing something. And there was a moment where he draws a, a, a reindeer, and you can tell Berardi's got it. He just doesn't know the word for it. Because there's a reindeer on Matches Click's uh, knitted jumper, he starts just pounding Click's chest going, this guy, it's this guy. And um, it's fantastic. It's one of the most confusing things you've ever seen. Um, worth it as well for the, uh, the, the present rapping competition where Berardi beats... Uh, click and then uh, well, he kind of so, <laughs> he, <beats. laughs> he wraps up um, a jumper faster than matches click and then once he's done it and realises he's won kisses the parcel, slaps it down on the desk and stands back with his arms folded kind of winking at the camera, very happy to have won that a winning mentality and also on this, I'm ranting about Christmas videos now, but matches click has had a lot of heat for the tweets that everybody reads between the lines of Seeing him with his teammates having a nice, fun Christmas, he didn't seem like the dark, malevolent um, outcast, the, uh, what's the phrase, the ghost at the wedding or whatever that people have painted. It seemed absolutely fine. Just like he, th- there was no evidence of him pulling his phone out, going, like, I'm going to gif about losing this to fucking Berardi. Um, he also, in fact, does worry me how much he looks like Abraham Lincoln, but I don't think there's a lot he can do. Um, about that. Where's glasses as well? Footballer in glasses. Long time since we've had one of those. Um, this is <laughs> anyway, not it. <laughs> five minutes. We've not done with uh, we've not done with QPR yet. Oh, last yeah. last thing that happened was Chubisky came on the substitute. Roof hat trick. Decent. Very three very oh, good. Oh, they're not calling to Holloway, who said something like. He made some weird comment after the game, didn't he, Holloway? He said, he said like... He said he barely touched him. You didn't see him out there or something. Like he often does, he phrased it as a question, which somebody should have fucking answered, where he's like, score, score three goals, but did you see him? And somebody should have gone, yeah, I fucking saw him scoring a fucking hat-trick, you knobhead. Um, sorry, the swear ball process, because a lot of swearing when uh, Holloway... I'm not a Holloway fan. Um, 2-0 up, and then Felix Fiedvald made the game interesting. Um, Andy, you've seen goalkeepers from uh, yes, Gary, Spra- Gary Sprake's debut all yes. the way through mm-hmm. to uh, Mervyn Day, Mark Beanie, John mm-hmm. Lukic, um, Neil Sullivan, uh, both Caspers. Um, how do you rate that mistake in the history of Leeds? It's, it's definitely in my top three absolute goalkeeping fuck-ups of the last 30-odd years, mm-hmm. along with the Graham Stack getting lobbed by Sheffield Wednesday from the halfway line um, and John Lukic punching the ball into his own net against Rangers so it's, it, I would say those those three would would be the ones that, that really did it for me but um, there was some kind of discussion about spin afterwards and he misjudged it as if he had a googly bowled at him rather than just an aimless punt The guy who uh, hit it had walked away hadn't he? Yeah he tried to put it back in the box that half over it, like turned around and was on his way back to the halfway line, and and then the, he obviously he obviously didn't effect. he obviously didn't think oh, wait to wait to see the spin on it. His legs were off, <laughs> and uh, and obviously it, it baffled him, and uh, it again prompted a long debate about whether Vidal, Vidal, whatever he is, is Felix. the goalkeeper. 
rather than a proxy field player who happens to have a green jersey on. Milk baby. Well, I would contend. I would contend that the milk baby. I mean, two clean sheets uh, followed that. Um, in fact, uh, looking at it, it's one, two, three, four clean sheets out of his next five mm-hmm. games, and some good saves. I think Hull, in think particular, Hull, yeah, he was very well. good. Even his there was one save where. Um, I had my head in my hands looking at it because he put it right out to their striker. But then when you watch the replay, it came around. Um, it was like a Gianni Vio free kick where it came around a crowd of players. Mm. And he only saw it at the last minute. So it's very good. So there's mixed feelings about he does. He does tend to parry it straight, in, yeah. like straight yeah. to the strikers, though. He doesn't ever seem to get it out to the sides, which does worry me a bit. And then, I mean, the, the QPR one, it, was, I'm not, it probably is the worst... Single error I've seen a Leeds keeper make. Obviously, Rahubki, you had a string of them, and it kind of it formed a nice pattern where you could put a little show reel together from like a five-game patch. But for a, it's just one of the things you watch it time and time again, and you just think, how how, how? like anyone in this room would have been embarrassed to concede that. Definitely, our kids would have been embarrassed to concede a goal like that. Yeah, it's just you're just talking them up for the transfer window. <laughs> the thing is, if he stands completely still, it just bounces into his hands. If he runs out. The moment it's hit, he just catches it. But he does some weird thing where he he waits till it's almost halfway there and sets off, and then thinks, "Oh shit, this is I'm not going to reach this." It's bizarre. Well, he had exactly the right reaction, go up the other end and score to get it back. And to, he did. He did. In fairness, pull off a very good save after it. Bottom. Although yeah. it was a bit lucky, in fact. But you know, he made a save, and he was for not for one. He has a couple of times. There was bravery involved because he does. I mean, we Chris we pointed out in the, the last episode of this podcast months and months ago. He's known as the Milk Baby um, in Germany, but he, if he was a, he was like a, I don't know. If you have parents, do babies like jump on milk to get hold of it? Do they like fly like a panther to at the feet of a of an onrushing striker? He was very brave, is what I'm saying. Um, and then we went on after that. So we scored up the other end, and everything was fine with Felix. Um, and then he kept a clean sheet at Norwich. Not a lot else to say about from this, apart from three points. Thank you to our set-piece specialist, Gianni Vio, telling Pontus Janssen where to run. Is it now just any set-piece we score, everyone's going, yeah. that is genius. If we have our coach, no one's It's the most simple thing ever, but you just got bloody hell, he's good. Look at him there, Pontus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's genius. Put it on his head. Pontus did claim that that level of detail has actually changed, because this guy speaks Italian, and Pontus knows Italian from being at Torino, that he's just come along and said... You're standing in slightly the wrong place. Amazing, absolutely mind blowing. We, we do. We have improved though. It, yeah, definitely. I think it's a lot more threat from set piece. It has made a big difference, and in, in a, for a team, dare I say, like us, who are not going to necessarily be the better side, set pieces are a, you know mm. a legitimate way to to win games, and uh, and then a very legitimate way to win games. Although when it happened, I almost had an illegitimate child by Pablo Hernandez um, one of the sweetest chips you will ever see mm. um, should we just talk about that goal for the rest of the podcast can we, can we just go back to Norwich though because it is, it is good to be beating Norwich again and anybody who, who knows my ranting on social media people still telling Norwich at Arctic Review now three four years later after Steve Morris and Luciano Vecchio that's yeah. It's great to beat them, and also great to see that if they don't go up this season, their uh, chairman talking about some kind of fairly severe austerity 
that they'll need to undertake, obviously, because they're out of parachute payments. So right. they have to sell Pritchard's, which Rashing. I think we can all heartily buy into. And also the uh, mustard factory is about to shut down and transfer to Germany. So it's been a great, for me personally, it's been a great couple of weeks. And, you, and you're, you're more pleased by that than by Pablo Hernandez scoring the, the best goal that... Uh, of the season? No, again, it was it was a fabulous finish, but I think the goalkeeper kick it straight to it. Do you think it was that good? I think it was that good. I think the kick was so far off his line; it's not all that difficult. Not saying I could have done it. I think. Um, I know you love Pablo. No, but think of how many. Imagine that ball had gone straight to J. Roy Grot. Oh, but I'm not talking about terrible football. I'm talking <laughs> okay. about. Well, this is. A, there are lots of. There are lots of. You know that some of the some chips though. You well, know, they'd like, expect Pelly to have got that from the halfway line. But you I know mean, the sort of Matt Letizier type chips where the, the keeper would be within like a that that goal it, was rubbish because it was just, just touch his fingertips. And, he, he didn't and juggle it over three players. I expect better from you, Letizier. It's a it's a quality finish from a quality you do, player. You're just shouting me down because I'm criticising Pablo. <laughs> I'm not criticising him. It was a good goal and I did like it, but I don't think it was that brilliant. I didn't actually get to enjoy it in the ground because we were sat quite low. As soon as the ball went up in the air, everyone just went, oh, for fuck's sake. I thought it had gone over. Yeah, and then he sort of fell off celebrating and everyone was confused. So yeah, I thought that ball was sailing over the bar and then uh, watched it, watched it, watched it. And then when I realised it was in, Hernandez is gone. Um, I loved it. And it was probably the best moment of that game as well. The rest of it was just... Uh, well, he has... watching. I watched like the little, the short highlights of all these this run of games. He has been very good for us. A couple of duff... Um, appearances along the way um, probably coming up in our post-Xmas um, period but he then uh, got us level against Burton which should never have been necessary but was probably if the, the chip was the greatest goal that has ever been scored Michael this free kick probably one of the most entertaining free kicks it was brilliant it was it was brilliant to watch Bywater absolutely lo- losing the plot about because we put like the little wall in front, of him, didn't we? Mm-hmm. There were two little walls in front of him. Oh, that there was, was a it, three, yeah. then a two. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, and a sensible reaction to go and pull O'Kane's pants down, <laughs> which I mean, oh, Saez gets a lot of criticism for running around like waving an imaginary yellow card in the air, but O'Kane standing there just with his pants, his shorts around his ankles, looking at the referee, he's going, like, "Are you going to do anything about this?" It's probably just as it's on the level. Mm. Um, but I didn't. My I fully, fully endorse it. Stephen Bywater, one of life's eccentrics. Do you remember when he had his uh, yeah, portaloo and stuff outside his house, didn't he? That yeah. with a mannequin stuck to the roof and all sorts of weird little ma- stuff. Uh, massive modern sculptures. He lived, in, he lived in some. Followed his career that close. He lived. In, he was in the made the papers, didn't he? He, was, yeah. he lived in some nice area of was it Manchesterish or somewhere? I can't remember. I think he was playing for Derby, so it's like Derbyshire. Yeah, he lived Pink's, in some nice, some Pink nice sort of millionaires row with and. Some dispute with the neighbours. He ended up getting it was like a horse box and a portaloo and a mannequin, and he had it all stuck together with graffiti over it outside his house. And he was claiming it was modern art, like right at the front on the driveway, <laughs> just uh, to basically ruin ruin an nice area. He decided did, to did do he this. Did he bag himself off the drive as a prelude? <laughs> Possibly. He ended up having to issue an apology, saying that he knew he had let the, he let Derby County down and apologised for uh, um, for he shouldn't be representing the club. This way, at the end, after all that had happened, then uh, Kimai Roof scored yet another goal for Leeds United. Through ball to the, for him on that mm-hmm. was brilliant as well yeah, from Vieira. Awesome. Yeah, Vieira should nice probably they were booing him as well for a really bad tackle on him. So the Burton fans decided to boo him and they did that, which was quite nice. We've actually not seen Vieira since no. then, missing, presumed, injured, mm. but he still managed to win that tackle and play that pass. 
um, which suggests that uh, however um, bad this injury might be, um, we should probably get him back. So at that point, after beating Burton, let me just tap through that, was one, two, three, four, five, six wins out of eight games, and we drew one of the others. So that was all good. Why did we have to have Christmas? Can anybody explain to me why we celebrate Christmas? No? No. Well, it's the ringing endorsement. Presumably uh, none of us go to the Church of England schools. Um, Birmingham won Leeds nil. All I could think of to write on the sheet for this was just fucking dreadful. Do we have anything else to contribute on the subject I, of this I game? I haven't seen or had anything to do with this game whatsoever. I'll be honest, it just kind of... Uh, Saw the result, that's it. Do you want me to fill you in on what happened? No. Just Say yes. In the field is what happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, this is the one where we decided, because they had a big man, oh, we had Gallagher in the up front, yeah. we'd throw in a midfielder come central defender, played two games, and it would, against some experienced guy, and mm. they were going to help the ballers, and it would all be fine. It was fucking dreadful. I think it had possibly been coming because I think we were. I thought we were poor against Hull and Burton. We mm. were, either of those games, we could have dropped points. We were a bit fortunate not to. So it wasn't entirely surprising when we actually there lost. There is an element to this that becomes relevant when we get to the FA Cup match, where the lack of um, ability to deal with not having a winter break may have begun to to come to bear at this point I think whereas when asked us all here why we celebrate Christmas and nobody can come up with an answer I think a large proportion of Leeds United's first team squad probably would have all had their hands in the air saying well because little baby Jesus came on the, the 25th of December and we cannot believe that we're not being allowed to go and celebrate it well, I think on reflection we have Christmas so we can have a darts tournament <laughs> but try explaining that to Gianni Alioski I don't know. It's just a, a, something I've had in mind because then ne- New Year's Day we played Nottingham Forest and probably should have won, but it was just boring. Is New Year's Day football always bad? I seem yes. to have mm, yeah. in my mind that you kind of go and you're knackered and hungover and you don't really want to be there and then the game. There's no buses. All my expectation, mm. yeah. I can remember bad. They might have been nil nils against in the past, like Derby and Blackburn. I seem yeah. to remember standing out as being particularly crap. Mm. We never New play Day anybody games. you want to play either. I mean, Forest are all right, I suppose, but like as a status we thing. True, didn't we on New Year's Day? <sighs> and we lost about three, mm. probably three one, and that's probably first season back down from the Premier League. Rather season after that, there's never been. I mean, New Year, a decent New Year's Day game. I can't remember the last time we uh, we served one up. But the uh, in terms of why we celebrate Christmas, the the TV companies mm-hmm. um, seem to be. Making even if you look at the fixture lists now, they seem to be even more. The period seems to be even more drawn out, and you seem to be playing more and more games at odd times uh, of the day and night. That week after Christmas completely threw me. Every single night there was another Premier League match, yeah. and there was match of the day like every two days. And, and I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it it must if you because footballers are criticised of it, aren't they? And they were at some point, I'm sure, used to playing. You know, at least on, on a Saturday and Sunday and maybe on a Monday night, and now they're expected to keep up these levels of performance playing you know, at, at any time during the week. And I know they get paid millions of pounds, and I know they've got no grounds for complaint, but whilst it's great for us, sat eating turkey sandwiches every single night for a week, um, the, some of the, the quality being served up 
currently in some of these matches mm. is absolutely abysmal. I mean, people point to the 60s and, and throw it back then. And there were games. Fixtures would be Boxing Day, you'd play Sheffield United away, then the day after you would play Sheffield United at home. And people say, they do complain. They complained like fuck. Everybody complained. Nobody wanted to do that. And I will bet you that those games were garbage as well. Yeah. Like they will not have been, especially with the pitches in the 60s and stuff. So it's not like a go- well, harking back to a golden era. Um, and, you know, you don't want to excuse the poor darlings or start making, you know, excuses for them and saying, well, they were probably tired. But um, it was telling that his interview on Radio Leeds uh, that they did straight after this game, Thomas Christensen, as part of that, said, um, I think the question was, we've come through this period, we've got a decent number of points, the last couple of performances have been pretty disappointing. He said, yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy with happy enough with how it's gone. Should have won today, if remember, Roof absolutely rattled the, the posts as hard as I've seen them. Um, Should have scored shook. an overhead kick as well. When he, he sort of came back up the key. This is for the thing. <laughs> it, was, it was about a yard out. Yards it was about, yeah, he, yeah. he should really score. But. Um, and he didn't do anything wrong with it, really, did he? It was just... Put it over the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho... So Christensen then was uh, very clear about that the players were getting the next two days off to go and have like the Christmas that they'd not celebrate, and I think that was the way he was dealing with not having um, a winter break. Um, and I'm, I wonder whether that then factored into his thinking for the FA Cup third round, where he was like, well, last couple of performances during this tough winter period, the players have looked shagged. Um, given them a couple of days off, I've got a few injuries knocking around. I've got a lot of players I want to have a look at who haven't had a chance at the first team. Cameron Borthwick-Jackson's hammering on my door every day. Why don't I play them? And then a little voice in his ear says, uh, um, Thomas, I don't know, have you watched uh, what happened to Leeds in the FA Cup last season? He says, yes, I've seen that, but no, we will be fine. I think the year before, didn't, when did we lose to Rochdale? That well, feels... <laughs> That feels relatively recent as well. The other way to put it is, when did we last win in the FA Cup to any... It was Cambridge last year before Sutton. Yeah, we scraped by them. Mm. It did feel like the least surprising surprise ever. The amount of texts I got afterwards saying, Newport, you mean, I was like, Leeds, are you being serious? Like, what else did you expect? I don't understand. Especially as soon as they'd equalised, I was just sitting waiting for the winner. Mm. Like, when's it going to come? In a lot of ways, it's... It looks like a bigger upset on paper than it actually is because every year in the FA Cup, a League Two side will beat a Championship side. Mm. And if it was Newport beating Barnsley, well, no one, no one would. Stoke, no they? one would. Mm. I mean, that is a much bigger shock because, mm-hmm. in terms of resources, obviously Premier League squads and everything. You know, if yeah, if Newport beat Barnsley, no one makes out it's a massive shock, do they? But obviously, there's the history of mm. that we have, which we have to we have to bear really. Yeah, I was thinking about the the history and it is. Because um, a lot of the response was, have we not learned the lessons of Sutton last mm-hmm. season? But then there's not actually a single coach or probably staff member. Well, there'll be staff members, but nobody on the playing side was mm-hmm. here for that. Christensen was asked about the Sutton game in, in advance. We said, no, we'll, we'll take the FA Cup seriously. It will be a team that I expect to win. I respect this competition. I used to watch it in Denmark as a kid. Who wouldn't want to do well in the FA Cup? Um but I mean I, that Sutton game put Mackay in the window, shop window, didn't it? And that's why Cardiff have since snapped him up, snapped him up. took his brother as well. Mm, that's coincidence. But I, uh, there wasn't a lot of self-examination after the Sutton game. There was very much a well, you know, we're we're clearly on track to get into the playoffs. If uh, and there was a, there was a thought at the time we might make the top two. So I think the Sutton game was very much put to one side, and I mm. think people were also 
very much siding with Monk because of the resources or lack of resources they've been given in the transfer window. So there's a lot of sympathy for that selection. He was obviously making a point about, look, you know, I'm, I'm being strong hearted into playing these kids who are frankly not good enough. So that's what you get. This game was very different because of that history, but also because um, if you uh, in La Soga and Grot, especially, you've got two places you say are maybe not seen that much of. But there is no way somebody who's playing the Bundesliga should not be able to perform. And I think you know, Newport played pretty well and deserved to win, but at the back, I don't think we ever got at them in any way, shape or form. And there is no. there is no way you can relegate a team with some of the players that we had down to the few chances that we created. And it is a shame, because it, it obviously Berardi's first goal should have lit that whole fixture up. And, and as he scored, I missed the first sort of 20 minutes. Uh, you just thought, great, what do you want as a big side into a game like that? An early goal. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Getting consolidate, um, keep it to one if you have to, but instead, um, I don't think we really looked after that in, in any way like we're ever going to score again. Burton's, uh, Berardi's was probably the best effort at goal we had. Was it definitely his goal? Yes. It was given him as well by the, um, the officials who ruled on these things were like, that doesn't need to go to a dubious goals panel. One hundred percent him. I mean, why, why would you? I mean, it's it's weird actually thinking about it because I wrote the notes for this today and I completely forgot to put Berardi's goal down. That's how bad um, I felt about this result when when it happened. It was probably one of the greatest things that I've ever seen happen. I feel in bad my for life. that we've wasted it in a, yeah. in a such a inauspicious way. Really, I mean, it was. A, Here you go, Berardi, captain this bunch of exactly. wankers, <laughs> and score your first goal in your entire career and celebrate. As only you can, he uh, he he ran. Um, I only saw it on a fan um, camera footage today, but he ran in like two-footed um, the advertising hoardings, which is up there with when we scored against Norwich and he headbutted our assistant manager. And did, we, did you see that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And um, he sort of shoved him as well, didn't he? Like a... yeah, he, he like he headbutted him in the in the chest and then wanted to like get him into a wrestling competition. Um, and the, the Bristol City match. Uh, last time again, if you find the fan footage, you can see him. He runs from the halfway line to come and absolutely just kick, like a firm kick straight into their LED advertising hoardings for no reason other than he just loves it. And then, yeah, and his reward is the way that game ended up. But I think you're right. The difference between this and Sutton is that Sutton was a lineup that loses that game, whereas this was a team. Christensen's getting a lot of flack for fielding an understrength team. One, Everybody feels understrength teams now in the FA Cup. Not saying that I agree with disrespecting the competition, but it's just what everybody does. Two, there's the rationale of resting some players or getting them back fresh for the league program. Three, that's a team that should have won. There was no, there was no Billy Whitehouse equivalent in no. that in that side, was there? No. Someone who you think it would be, they would be lucky to have a professional career. They're all established professional yeah, players. They're all players. If we get an injury, they're going to come into the starting eleven, which yeah. is a massive worry. <laughs> I mean, but you look at the strike force of Lasogger and Grot, and I don't think anyone saw it beforehand and thought that was an effective part. The classic yeah. big man, think, big man. Yeah, how are they going to link up together? And we created well, nothing, really. Technically, the, the way they play, I mean, physically, they're, they're too well matched, maybe, to be a, a, a couple. Um, but that's possibly the opposite to what it would say on Tinder. Um, but one of them runs around a lot. Grot seems to like the ball at his feet and dribbling and passing and whatever. Lasogger 
just doesn't seem to like moving. So there's kind of a combination there that could have worked. Um, and it almost the change to four four two and those two playing together. I wonder if it was a little bit like the two of you. There is a number nine shirt there waiting for one of you. Play together, and one of you gets it. Who, who, who scores the most? Then, because it was like, well, you have it. No, I'll, I'll be shit and you have it. No, no, no. I will be shit and you can have it. No, I'll be shitter. Then, you can have it. I will be the shittest and you can have it. And then Lasaga just started booting it from 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. I've got to confess, I haven't actually watched this game. I was out uh, on the morning. I was planning on doing the sort of likely lads thing and avoiding the result and stuff. Casually sort of went on Twitter. I was out at a thing with kids and I was bored. So I sort of went on Twitter just out of habit and I saw the stuff about the game and I thought, oh, bollocks, I've ruined that. So then I just looked at the, uh, the result uh, afterwards and it remains unwatched on my planner at home. Should it remain so? Yes. Definitely. There's nothing good to see in this game, is there, Rob? I feel like I, I, feel like I almost need to watch it like a watch the car crash watch it for time. Watch minutes when Grady mm. scores and chest mm. bumps the fans as he runs into the crowd. Yeah. Then, I, saw, I saw the highlights on Match of the Day. At least that, that's probably enough. <laughs> I dread to think what they were like. I mean, I was in no state to watch anything like to this... Um, after it had happened, I just went and had a, a long lie down, especially because if you think about how bad it could have got, possibly the worst thing that could have happened was Sully Samu Saiz getting his sixth session spitting suspension that sacrifices this season's salvation. Easy for you to say. Thank you very much. I was quite pleased with but that. I just thought he got on. the sub right. Well, sorry. So putting, we want to look at the time, put Saiz on, get somebody who can... For Christ's sake, get their foot on the ball, look up, try and, and pick some of these players out. Take Grot off because it was one of the kind of most trundle-esque performances I think we'd ever seen. Um, and uh, so I, I, he got all that bit right. That size didn't really do anything once he got on the pitch. What was what? It was the right substitution. What was wrong about it was that it was Saiz and not Pablo Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, he should have been yeah. on the bench. I don't really understand why Saiz was even. On the bench, there was obviously a lot of confidence that we would win with that lineup because we had four kids waiting to make their debut. Mm. So it's like these guys will go three nil up or six nil. Grot and Lasaga hat trick each. So I still can't choose between them. And then bring some of these kids on. The fact that Pennington, I think Pennington must have been due to play in central defence because then Berardi ended up there when he had a knock. Cooper's still on the bench. He's obviously desperate not to use him. Why not Hernandez rather than mm. Saiz? If you want to bring somebody on, I think if Hernandez came on at 1 0, we win that game. Mm. But I think that the other irritating thing is we've already played Newport this season and they gave us a good, you know, over the 45, 50, 55 minutes, they gave us a, a really good game and a really good examination. So it's not like you were, we were playing against a League Two side who we had no primary experience of, didn't know how they were going to line up. I think they, they brought in some players in the in the transfer window, but you can't plead that, that uh, we didn't know what we were going to get when we got there because we understood the nature of the pitch and we'd already played once this season. So uh, this is why I, I just thought we were very overconfident and unjustly so. And it is worrying that we beat them 5-1 earlier in the season and now we lost them 2-1. Were they out for revenge? Surely revenge can't carry people that far. So, um, And it was a very similar team again sort of to understand Christensen's uh, thought processes um, he said that team I did the same thing against Leicester I did the same thing against Burnley he did the same thing against Newport and we won 5-1 10 changes different mix of players but um, I guess the key thing then was maybe Akeem Roof up front who is actually a striker 
10 goals so far this season. Um, but this time we had two strikers who couldn't do the work of one one roof. You've got to see it in context. This is the point, is that you can't... Uh, I, 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 just because you happened to do something before mm. in games, one game where you won, one game where we lost, um, doesn't necessarily... I think you have to apply a bit more critique to how you're setting up the Oh, well, I did it once and it'll probably be all right, especially with all the context around Sutton and everything else. And I actually think collectively the club seems to have put Sutton to one side. There's mm. a little bit of, uh, well, you know, now I'm going to ask the question, so I'm going to give you the stock response and that we're going to respect everything we've seen Sutton, we understand all that. Because, in, like you said, Michael, um, that was a far, far worse performance by established first team and fringe first team players than Sutton was because Sutton was just a case of you know these kids can't even beat the bins mm. but they're on because the the agent you know is Chelino's mate mm. basically I mean Lasaga is I know we're not paying him this but isn't he on 50 grand a week yeah. I mean that's probably more than the entire Newport squad mm. I would imagine more yeah. or less and if someone like someone of that calibre you think surely has to shine in a, in a game like that mm-hmm. and seemingly has done Less than nothing, and they must think it as well. That's the thing with um, the two strikers. I've tried to obviously during the games we talked about there was the game where Grot was getting booed and people said like we need to. Christensen said it's a confidence thing. If he gets confidence, he'll be he'll be better. Please don't have a go in. And uh, and Lasaga as well. You give him a break in the championship. You say well maybe he's had this, this injury. Tough coming over here and um, get some sharpness. But if he can't do it against Newport, I quickly lose interest in wanting to back either of them. And then the one, Cameron Borthwick-Jackson is my particular bet noir because he, out of everybody, um, he played the full games in the Carabao against Port Vale and Newport. Then against Burnley, he was so bad he was hauled off at half-time. Wasn't Preston he was taken off as well in the league game? Yeah, and then um, at Leicester he was taken off after he lasted in... Oh no! I think it was the other way around. I think he lasted an hour at Burnley, off at half time at Leicester because that's how bad he was. And he's given one more chance, and he was hauled off after an hour. So it's like ninety minutes to go and prove yourself that you can play Championship football against a League Two team. Yeah, prove you can play League Two football. He can't even manage an hour of League Two football. Again, Doesn't he want to? Again, my friend was a Wolves fan. When we signed him, I asked him about Bothley Jackson, and he said. I mean, he looked all right for a bit, and then he just looks like he can't be asked. Mm. And I thought then, once he said that, I thought he's going to be back in January, isn't he? That, that seems to be the thing people say about him is that he's not got. He's got a very poor attitude, mm. and he's in, he's probably because he's at Man U. He's probably on. He's probably on twenty grand a week <laughs> for having played like a few mm. Europa League yeah. games for Man U or whatever. He gets himself a contract, and now and then he's probably he's probably a bit pissed off to have been sent out to, to us. Probably thinks, oh fucking hell. I'm better, than, I'm better than this. They won't like me there. And it's consequently not even better than Newport. Yeah. The, uh, his, on um, his sort of perpetual shitness, I remember Burnley, there was a, a headed clearance to him in the left-back position that he basically ignored and somebody took it off his top because um, he just didn't look before he tried mm. to clear it. And he did exactly the same thing against Newport. And it's like, you've not even tried to get any better. Um, so the, the only... I thought Click was okay... Click made it look like he actually looked like a championship player. He doesn't push you forward though, does he? He's kind of neat and efficient, but you're looking at somebody in that central area to I mean he's not 
given what's in front of him, was probably some mitigation. But he, he didn't. He wasn't looking to get on the ball and get us moving forward as as a unit by mm. looking up and picking people out. Who was it? Well, what was he looking at? Yeah, Sacco and I've, I've kind of uh, exempted Sacco and Shabitsky from too much criticism for this game because I think what were they going to do with the ball once they got it? Like, where is is Lasaga making a run? No. Is Grot making a run backwards, um, or in some crazy route around? So I kind of just ruled them out as well. Chubitsky's looked better in in the league. We know he can do something. We know exactly what Heidi Sacco is. I think Calvin Phillips has been out of form as well, which has probably not helped because he's he's a bit he's always a little bit hit and miss, but he's, he's fairly reliable. You can normally at least expect him to run around efficiently and things. But he's I think he's been really really poor the last few games, doesn't he? And that, that yeah. we've seen that over the, the few games that they've been together, they 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 do play better when they're paired. He, seem, he doesn't seem to play as well when he's with mm. Kane and. If you look at it on, there's a lot of unfamiliarity on Sunday. I don't want to give them excuses because they were you know, one to eleven, mm. pretty much. They were all, mm. but they were all shit. But it's true though. You get pair, like the central defensive pairings and central midfield pairings. They are they are important to help to the flow of a game. If you don't quite know that when you get the ball, that player will drop a little bit deeper to give you a pass, or will push forward into like get the gap to between mm. defensive midfield to give you a pass. Um, if you don't really know where anyone's going. It, it must it must slow things down. And there's a question as well because people sometimes say when you come up against lower league opposition, you don't know what they're going to do because they don't do what good players do. So it's a lot more random. If the midfielder at Newport gets the ball, you don't you can't predict what he's going to do because he's crap. Mm-hmm. So it, good mm-hmm. players sometimes find out. But this really is getting into the realm of making excuses for a terrible result. So if we're going to be in the realm of making excuses for terrible things, who wants to stick up and defend Samu Saiz for spitting on somebody's shirt? I was waiting for you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well. Come on, Michael. I'm not going to defend him at all. Atticus Finch. The only, thing, the only thing I will slightly complain about is I don't think the ref or the linesman actually saw this. Mm. I think they... Because the linesman wasn't flagging for it, was he? No. And then... The player went up and, and grasped on him and pointed at his shirt, and then he just, then he just said, oh, no, he's got spit on his shirt. The report from the stands from Leeds fans who were behind the linesman, they saw it happen yeah. and then looked at the linesman and saw that the linesman was looking at it, and then the linesman called the referee over. And oh, I, was, really? I was watching today on a... I've been going through the footage... Um, as if it was the JFK assassination, trying to find out what actually went on. And there's a, a Newport uh, fan, not the one who, in his little video vlog at the end, says, I really hope we get Liverpool in the next round, because obviously I'm a Liverpool fan. Another Newport, committed Newport County supporter, films the goal, and then as his camera's shaking around, you can see a bit of size in the corner, um, but then it, whatever happens, happens off camera. But then you can see um, there's quite a long period before the referee goes back to look at the shirt when he's talking to the linesman. And what's curious is Saiz is just putting the ball down ready to take the, the goal kick. So there's not like a massive kickoff um going on. I would like to know um who elbowed him or what happened because it the, the report that he was on the floor, got up and spat at the, the player who put him down. Um That wasn't the finest defence when someone says you spat at someone to say, Well he elbowed me. No, well, it's isn't, strange. Isn't, isn't the same as saying I didn't spit him. Yeah, it's the stranger morality of football that says may 
this is the one of the lessons he has to learn. Next time somebody does that to you, break their face. Tell Berardi. Yeah. Tell Berardi, and you'll get a you'll get a three match ban instead mm. of a six match it, ban. The reaction to it, there's been I've seen a lot of people saying oh, I should never play for the club again and stuff like that because of it because it's spitting and it's disgusting mm. and stuff. And it is you make a valid point. If he had deliberately stamped on a man's throat to try and break his neck. People will be saying, "I'll oh, give him a second chance." Part of the game. It's not that. It's, not that, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Mm. Yeah, it's a weird one. I think. It, I mean, could you overthink it by saying it goes back to the origins of the game in public schools, where there's the code of behaviour and people actually frowned on youth for trying to win? Like he was supposed to play for entertainment and he was maximum sporting, and everybody has to be a gentleman. And we're having all this trying to win and all this spitting nonsense. Um, I mean, it is disgusting, and he shouldn't do it. And obviously, there is a six-game ban there waiting for anybody who does do it, which is obviously, I mean, people say, we don't have that kind of thing in the English game because there's a six-game ban waiting for you if you do it. Also, um, and this is in no way defending what he did at Newport, but he did not spit at anybody in the Port Vale game. That is the the situation, and that is, again, like um, if I spent time combing the footage of the... Sutton, uh, of the Newport game I think a lot of spent going back through uh, the Port Vale match to prove Michael Brown wrong and I, I found there is the only opportunity in the, the Michael Brown said it happened in the 40th minute that Saez spat in his face and in the 40th minute you can see Saez and Jonathan Davis are together they run past each other and there is no like spitting going on and if he had have done that, I imagine Jonathan Davis would have lamped him, but there is no even like interaction between them. They just ran past each other. We believe you. And it's we the really only believe you. it's the only moment in the five minutes between then and half time or five minutes before when they're even near each other on the pitch. Even when you can't see them both, you can either see one of them or you know that they're just not well, in different positions. The second half. Well, what's, it was definitely the first because then on the footage, Michael Brown comes out of the tunnel after half time and he's straight over to Leeds' bench. And obviously, there's been a Barney going on and everybody's heated and everybody's up. But there's no evidence of it actually having happened. And the DFA cleared him of any wrongdoing. So he's getting a reputation as the guy who spits. I mean, this time he has spat he, on someone, though, so that's why, that's, why he's, that's why he's in trouble this time. One spit does not alarm a make. Um, and yeah, and he's got a. Um, Is he the first Leeds player to spit on someone? I would doubt it. Do you know think? Juve, I suppose he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. First See, if, this was, if this was Juve who'd been spitting on people, you'd be wanting him hung, drawn, and quartered. I think there is naturally a bias towards players that you like slash love, um, but also there's a there's a bias towards players that aren't conspicuous rats. Like if he's genuine, generally. Ninety percent, a good guy traveling in a decent direction. He does doing, do a lot of yellow card waving. Doesn't and speak stuff. English, like we were saying before. When he he well, he, he... if it, well, if he did speak English, does that mean you're allowed to just yell? Book people, him, ref. Book him. People do. If you watch any know, football match, all the players, either, like any Neil Warnock team, what what goes on apart from players just up to the ref running the referee? Yeah, like, a yellow card. That that's a yellow card. That. That's awful. Exactly. But everyone says that's the way you play the game. Put a hand in the air. Because you, for some reason, and it, his English is terrible, and he does not appear to have learnt the English for that is a referee, that is a booking, please referee. So he just puts his hand in the air and all this, and he's like, oh, that's disgraceful. Whereas fucking um, Michael Brown, as was, could be in the face of the referee screaming for a yellow card, and I was like, good, that's the English game, that's what we like. Yeah, I admit they're weird. The English game has got some odd double Plus, standards. About generally, it. he does it after somebody has hacked into the ground. 
and he there doesn't was one go of these down games easy. where he was getting fouled all the time and nothing given. It might have been the whole game. Yeah, I think so. He was just getting chopped every time he had the ball, and the ref was trying to play advantage all the mm. time for some reason, mm. and if, then not giving anything. If you remember Newport round one, it did end up uh, in the Carabao Cup with Saez on the ball and a player just coming through two footed mm. to try and snap his legs because they were fed up with him doing tricks. That's fine. Yellow card for that, and then five more of those, and you might get a one-game ban. A little bit of phlegm flies around. I don't know. I don't want to be standing out as the person who defends a player for spitting. I think he he has got the ban um, that is deserved, and he'll have to sit it out, and it's fine. I think I'm just against the idea of crucifying him. I, I generally get an, annoyed at things like this just because of the f- traditional football men reaction to it. People are like, it's the worst thing that anyone could do. I'd sooner someone pissed on my kids than spat on a football pitch. You know, like it's the literally the worst thing that anyone has ever done. Spitting on football pitches, you know, it's it goes too far. I think. Yeah. I would personally, I would rather someone spat on me than cause me any physical harm. Yeah, there's a lot of people saying I'd rather I'd rather somebody just punch me out. Oh, no, 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 that's gonna hurt. No, I've got I've got a, I've got a warm shower. <laughs> It'll all be over and done with soon. If if. If this is something Saez wants to do, in fact, I'd like to volunteer myself. I go around to his house; he can spit on me. Well, he's going to call have... me. Call me all sorts of things. Might be quite pleasant. He's going to have six weeks now, where he's got to uh, occupy his That's time. Six well, weeks six, six matches. That could be a lot of phlegm um, by the end of that. We are going to miss him, aren't mm, we? We are very much. Plus, yeah. especially with the run of games that we've got coming up. So we won obviously a couple of those games without him, which I think were bonus. Points really in a lot of respects, but we were we played every team is in the bottom half. We played three of the bottom four in this last run. And if you look at what's coming up, the games that he's going to miss, obviously no FA Cup games. <laughs> that's, um, uh, that's the fixture. This is he's pretty tough. But we're going to know where we are, I think, and if we have a credible chance of being anywhere near the top six by the end of the period for which he is banned. Yeah, he is. He is so by such a distance our best player. Mm. It's very upsetting. Well, we did say we would rattle through um, the bunch of games, and it has taken us an hour. But it does bring us to the end of what Thomas Christiansen was calling his press conferences. I mean, this is how much his mind was on a winter break. He kept saying, um, the whole game is the completion of the first round of the championship. Uh, so his mind was very much Cyprus, um, when I was trying to work out how we actually did there, um, they do that thing of splitting the league at, winter and then coming back and it's different groups and all that kind of stuff so yeah his his uh, thinking was very much the first round ends and then the second round begins um, so we played the the first round I think it was Hull when it ended yes it was Hull was the last one and then uh, we're plus three in the league and we are sixth the target for the season is to finish one above seventh so we are sixth with plus nine goal difference uh, 43 points and the form actually there's four W's and an L and a D which is pretty good going considering how bad it actually got halfway through there's a January transfer window open season so far what a cliffhanger as I said at the start this is uh, part one of two that will be following really quickly with a discussion of the season so far Transfers, what we want, what we can have, Aspire Academy, and uh, a preview of the upcoming game. So listen out for that really soon. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 